0: Hello and welcome to Women on Top with Holly Medasser, where the conversations focus on women, wealth, and social change. Holly and her guests, who represent many different fields, engage in transparent conversations that reflect professional and personal struggles as well as accomplishment. Some are making strides to address societal problems. Others have chipped away at the proverbial glass ceiling. All are supporting the financial future and well-being of women. Through these conversations, we learn about embracing a purpose and lifting others up while ensuring our own future success. Now here's your host, Holly Medasser. Welcome everyone to another edition of Women on Top,
1: Women, Wealth and Social Change. Today, I am very honored to be joined by Carolyn Saki, who is with the New York Stock Exchange and has been in the industry for the last 30 years. Um, Carolyn, welcome. Thank
2: you, Holly. It's so great to be here.
1: So um, I know you went to Cornell and then you went to Wharton and you made your way over to the New York Stock Exchange. And if I'm not mistaken, you're kind of that liaison between private equity, venture capital, and actually bringing companies on board to go public.
2: So tell us what that's like. That is exactly right. I made my way here via investment banking. So I mentioned that only because I feel like I am a kindred spirit with some of these folks that are sometimes um, a little difficult uh, to work with. But um, it is, I think, the greatest job on Wall Street. I've been here at the Exchange now for um, over 15 years, and I get to work with amazing private companies that are looking to go public. And now recently, I've moved into the role to really focus on those financial sponsors and advisors and those that are behind the scenes preparing those companies for their journey as a public company, um, potentially, or as a sale. And it has been the most incredible journey, as well as a great role. Um, I get to use sort of my MBA education every day, I always say. Um, But it's things that are happening in the market every single day. It's relationship building. It's long-term relationship building. There's not a single um, conversation that I have that we don't end up talking about two or three other people that we know. Um, So the... um, having that 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 long experience on Wall Street is really, really helpful uh, in this role.
1: So I understand that, um, that com- there are a lot fewer IPOs happening, at least in 2020. And I mean, it makes sense. This isn't the time in the economy, I would think, to try to go public. But talk to us
2: about what that's looking like today. Absolutely. So 2022 has been a very different year than 2021. Now we have to remember that 2021 was an exceptional year for IPOs. So last year in the market, $300 billion were raised with over a thousand IPOs. So 300 billion of those about 140 billion were operating companies. So if you take out SPACs and other sort of financial instruments, $140 billion were raised with over 390 IPOs. This year, overall in the market, Again, 300 down to 21. Um, And of those, the operating companies are only um, 82 companies. And we only um, have raised in the market less than 8 billion. So there are a couple of deals that were a billion dollar transactions, but many of them are kind of small, kind of fill in uh, type of financings. But um, it's a much, much different market. So we have to remember that markets are cyclical. And this happens. Right. But the markets are also really resilient and they will come back. So that's part of why I transitioned from leading parts of the IPO business to really focusing on building those relationships, because this is the time to prepare for when that market comes back right? This is the time that companies are using to, yes, they're conserving cash. Maybe they're raising cash in different ways or different structures to do that outside of the IPO market, but they're working on, you know, let's make sure that those revenue streams that we have are really strong. Maybe let's cut out some of the experimental ones. Let's make sure we have all the right people. Let's build towards the future, knowing that that market will come back at some point.
1: Yeah. You know, what surprises me is not so much that the IPOs are down this year, but that they were so robust last year following a pandemic.
2: It's it's what? incredible. I yeah. just remember, so March 13th um, was my last day in the office um, during that COVID period. And I just assumed no one wants to talk to the New York Stock Exchange. Exactly. <laughs> and it was like, what am I going to do? I'm not even going to build relationships. You know, I'm checking in with, with VCs and, and private equity firms at that point, just sort of seeing what they're doing. How can we be helpful? Latter answer is really nothing right now. Um, but then we started to see bubbling and you started to see this SPAC market. So the special acquisition, um, special purpose acquisition company market, blank check companies raising funds to buy companies later. It was at the time a really advantageous kind of structure and the market was really receptive to it, just because of the way that, that, that it was structured and you were looking to buy something later. And so that really, really picked up quite uh, a bit. And then the IPO market came back because companies during the pandemic found how they can perform, right? We all learned how to work from home and all those companies driving that were greatly positioned to be public companies because they had been preparing along the way, but they just happened to hit that right um, on-ramp at that particular moment. Consumer companies, we were all at home. We were all kind of focused on um, uh, new streaming services and and making sure our living room was comfortable, both for work as well as for social, because that's all we had. Uh, maybe some outdoor events and uh, you know, um, I, I would just remember so many consumer outdoor related companies went public um, last in the last couple yeah, of the years. I mean, the so home you,
1: industry went crazy. I, I built my own office during the pandemic at home, and I kind of thought things would turn right back around as soon as the pandemic was over. But I don't know that that's going to happen. I mean, it really changed the way people work indefinitely,
2: it, it seems. Absolutely. And people are adjusting to that. and And that's OK, because you can work in both ways it's just trying to find that right balance trying to find that right balance of bringing new people on and teaching them the business going out and meeting more companies like i love the fact that now um it's a lot more in-person meetings and and um ways to really get to know people um, i missed that a lot conferences missed a lot over that period of time but well, the, the, well and this- you are
1: in a relationship business so i i i am too And I tell all my colleagues, if you're in a relationship business, it's true, you can conduct business over Zoom, but you can't replace that personal energy of being in someone's presence. So that really is just a whole different thing.
2: You're absolutely right.
1: I'm not going to let you get off of this topic before we change gears, because I believe that you were instrumental in bringing the SPAC to the New York Stock Exchange. Is that right?
2: Yes. So I worked very closely with our president at the time. Um, Our rules that we had with the SEC actually did not allow for SPACs to be listed on the NYSE. And so we worked on many, many rule changes and just sort of changing the structure so that we could. And listen, it is a, you and I have spoken about this and, and, and a lot of people speak about this. It's a really interesting product and it has its fit. It's always been a good product, very niche, right? For a very particular type of Sponsor who's very well experienced and taking companies public and in integrating mergers, um, and and really making good uh, connections and in and growing uh, companies. Um, it got a little bit out of uh, control in terms of the SPAC market, right? In the last couple of years, everybody started a SPAC. Uh, there was a something in the Wall Street Journal that came out, and I think the title was Everyone and Their Brother Has a SPAC, Why Don't You, or something <laughs> like, there was something to that effect, yeah. um, or at least that's how pe- people felt. And you know what? Uh, there aren't, first off, a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. You go out and you buy a, a company and take that company public in the process of that merger. There aren't enough of public-ready private companies out there to satisfy all of the SPAC demand explain to our viewers exactly what a SPAC is oh of course of course so yeah. SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company uh as a sponsor you raise funds from the marketplace typically let's say hundred million dollars um just a hundred million dollars <laughs> 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 just throw those numbers around yeah um and with the promise to buy a company later so once you have and you can't do it beforehand but once you have those funds you can go out and look for a company to buy merge it into your public company and and take that company public in the process and it's a great way to bring companies public that maybe aren't quite the right fit for an ipo right an ipo you want fast growth you want very forecastable cash flows you know you tend to have that hockey stick kind of look and
1: Um, and maybe kind of a, a bit sexier and um tech heavy, you know, those kinds of innovative, glamorous, little bright, shiny things go public much more easily. The ones that
2: are going to attract investors that want to invest for growth. Right. And so it's, there are always companies that that should be public companies, but just don't don't necessarily fit that. And that was something that the SPAC market was always very, very good for. Um, Over the last few years, again, so many SPACs were out there um, and the the values of the companies that they were buying, because there was so many, there was so much cash out there, very, very competitive, started going higher and higher and higher. And, and, and it sort of, the market didn't really hold up to it. The SEC it kind of created a bubble, down.
1: let's call it, it right? It, it did, created absolutely a bubble.
2: did. And, and so s- I've
1: heard people say that the SPAC market, as well as crypto, these were kind of frivolous excesses of the market that obviously... Um, when you're in our current economic cycle, haven't held up that well. But I don't think it necessarily means that the SPAC is gone. It's more like a correction. Would you agree with
2: that? It absolutely is. That's a great way to look at it. It is a correction, right? When everything, when there's a certain exuberance and things get too high, we need to kind of settle it down a little bit. And that's where we are right now. So I do believe that going forward, we will have a SPAC market again, but it'll be similar to what it was before that bubble, as you refer to it, right? So maybe there'll be a handful of SPACs and SPAC business combinations or mergers happening every year, and that's fine. And and so there's a place for it, but it's not going to be, you know, like it was. Every everybody
1: last- and their brother is starting a SPAC. It's exactly. a little bit like the Opportunity Zone Fund became, you know. There was this legislation. There were always people out there doing that kind of work. But when the legislation came out, everybody and their brother created the Opportunity Zone Fund. And a lot of them failed.
2: Right. Right. right?
1: So it it created its own little bubble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about another concept that we've been noting in the industry, which is that companies are taking longer as private companies with the um, help of private equity venture capital other sources of funding and so the the idea now is that a lot of value creation is occurring pre-public and so then you have it's almost as though the pre-public market has become the new small cap of the stock exchange so i'm wondering what you think that means for future stock returns is there a systemic difference I mean should should investors still expect a 10% return in the stock market if many many companies are
2: generating more of their wealth before going public yeah. there's a there's a lot in that question so let's let's break it down and, and take a step um, back on that a little bit because I absolutely agree companies are waiting longer to go public. There were some rules and regulations that were changed along the way, allowing them to do that. You didn't have to go register as a public company um, until you had 500 shareholders previously. Now it's up to 2000. So you have a little bit more time. Um, And there's been a lot of funding available over the last few years. There's been a lot, as you mentioned, VC money and private equity money and other um ways that companies can can raise cash along the way instead of tapping the public markets so we are working very hard um, to make sure that um with dc with the regulators that going public is not as difficult as people think that it is um we wanted more public companies out there we work very hard to bring some of those those smaller companies um to the marketplace so maybe um, Instead of in the past, your companies would go public at five, $600 million, now they're going public at one, $2 billion. Um, so we would love to see more of all of those types of companies come to the marketplace. So if you look at the number of IPOs relative to the, the number of public companies out there, there's probably around 6,000 public companies in the United States. Um, it used to be a lot more than that, but now it's, it's around that level. The companies going public every year is a really small portion of that. And I always look at it as the companies going public kind of replace those that um, go private through either M&A or mergers or, or, or things like that. Um, So I think if companies wait a little bit longer to go public, it's not necessarily going to be affecting um, rates of return for the, the market as a whole. If you look at a company that goes public again as i mentioned maybe it was 500 or 600 million dollars of market cap previously now it's one to two billion dollars but what are you doing with those funds that you're raising you're raising a chunk to to build your business to hire more people to grow your revenue stream maybe you're going to be using that stock that new public uh currency um, to buy other companies and, and grow. So your $1 to $2 billion company is now going to be a 5 $10, 20000000000 billion company. They'll merge with others. So there's so many more growth opportunities that are still available for when a company goes public. So to me, I'm not as concerned about that. I just want to make sure we get as many companies uh, public um, that should be public um, that we can, and we help companies get to that point as well.
1: Yeah, because, you know, you have to be a higher net worth investor to invest in private equity and venture capital. And so for from the broader macroeconomic sense, we want everyone with a 401k to be able to participate in market growth. Mm-hmm. Right. So exactly. That's um that's an encouraging answer. Um, the,
2: the public markets are very equitable and we like that.
1: <laughs> no pun intended, right? Yes. <laughs> So, Caroline, I want to shift gears for a minute, if we could Um, uh, myself as a financial advisor, I think maybe one in five financial advisors in the U.S. is a woman. Mm -hmm. And I would guess that that number of women doing what you're doing on Wall Street is far, far smaller than that. So. Tell us and our viewers as a woman, what this experience has been like for you, because i'm I'm pretty sure that most private equity uh, venture, um, these funding sources, and even the IPO market, it's mostly men, right?
2: You know, I've been in this business for a, a long time, and I'd like to think that um, there are more women and there are, you know, relative to when i when I first, uh, joined Wall Street. Um, but there's still such a long way to go, Holly. I went to an event last evening, and um, I walked into Cipriani's in, in New York, and it was a beautiful setting, beautiful um, opportunity to network and meet people, and it was 99% male. <laughs> and I thought we had come far, further than that, um, but we still have a, have a way to go. Um, I think what's really important that the women that are in this business, we really do support each other and we really work on bringing other women up, whether that be from a mentoring perspective or just from a contact and relationship perspective. It's that three gives and an ask, right? you want to give things to people eventually knowing that you're going to ask for that favor at some point in the future. But for women in the business, I think it's just we want to give, 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 give. And if something comes out of it greater, later, great. But I wanna see more women um, on Wall Street. I, when I first joined, um, and there's many stories, Holly, that you and I can chat about over, over cocktails. Um, it was a bit difficult um, as the only woman in the room. Um, It still happens sometimes, but what you need to do is just lift yourself up, be that smartest voice in the room. Even if that means you need to repeat yourself a couple of times because maybe someone else says the same thing that you do, bring it on back to what you said originally, right? They say Um, it just
1: a little bit louder and um, sadly with a bit more authority, just given that they're males in a male
2: audience right exactly and so you just learn to do that over time i do think that there's also an advantage to being a woman um in this business i joke around all the time i'm a hugger i get to hug people when they come into the room i don't see my colleagues doing that <laughs> and so we were talking a little bit earlier about being in the room with people and creating that relationship and creating that bond i can do more with that than a handshake right and it's just something a little bit more personal they'll remember who I am as the only woman there um, typically. Now, to be fair, what I also love is I work for a company that um, is very, very focused on promoting women uh, internally as well as externally. So we're part of the Intercontinental Exchange or ICE. We're a $60 billion data and tech company. And our board is 60% female there's wow women that's impressive For men for a big massive tech company that's exceptional in that finance. is exceptional so that um, trickles down right our president is at the new york stock exchange lynn martin that that trickles down and it really shows everyone that you know what you can succeed people will hear you you know it's 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 part now of um it's much more accepted and normal. You don't. I don't think people say, "Oh, wow, there's only so many women in the room," unless you're a woman in the room saying, "Wow, there's only so many women," right? I know we need to change that 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 perspective, but um, we're getting there. There's more and more every day. I
1: I do feel that we're we're getting there, and I would imagine that another advantage of being a woman, if you're in a relationship business like I am, is just dare I say we're more relational as women. You you know we're great at making and keeping friends and and we care about the greater good in general, and just um, I would think that that's an advantage as you're developing relationships in your role is would
2: you agree. I absolutely agree, and I think what's interesting is when you're young and you first get into this business you feel kind of excluded from conversations, right? Cause you're not really talking about sports and maybe you're not Yeah. Um. in, in, in back in the day, uh, all the, the guys would go get their shoes shined Um. together. Um, I, I don't think that's a thing anymore. Um, but we just um, go shopping. <laughs> and that makes me sound so old. Right. But, but you have to then find the the, the thing that works for you. Right. And so yeah. have a different conversation to bring people in, have a different, Um, way to to bond with people. And and like you said, we're very good at creating relationships and finding what those things are.
1: Yeah. And I find a lot of times when I'm talking to my male clients that they will share things with me that they may not share with another male, right? They're, They're willing to get a little bit softer, let's call it. There's not that bravado or that Shell And so it does allow for a deeper bond, I feel like. So I'm going to change the subject for a minute, if you don't mind, Carolyn, and tell me if I'm getting too personal. But I've heard you talk before about how um, you went through a period several years ago where you um, really worked on your personal appearance. And if if you're comfortable, please share that with your audience, the impact of that on you personally and professionally.
2: Absolutely, I'm, I'm, it's not a problem to share it at all, because it's not something that I can run away from. Those pictures <laughs> remain out there forever. I think, you know, I've always been a, a, a tall girl, and um, I think over time, working on Wall Street, working all of those hours, not eating really well, work, you know, not really moving around very much, the weight crept up on me and about 8 years ago um i think we all worked towards a change and but i we i really wanted to work towards a permanent change um and set everything in motion to do that and hired a lot of trainers and and made myself very, very accountable <laughs> for what was happening. And I ended up losing over a hundred pounds. That's and incredible. Congratulations to you. That is no small feat. It It's <laughs> a lot of hard work. And so thank you. So I really, I celebrate every time I see someone that that is, is going through the same kind of um, journey. And, and especially when you hit those plateaus, they're really hard to get over. Um, but what was really interesting is I knew it would affect me internally, right? Um, I knew I'd become more confident. Um, I knew that uh, I, 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 I think I'd be a happier person. Um, but I didn't realize how it was going to affect me professionally. I think being a larger woman um, in this society is, is looked at differently. And I think that um, I wasn't really prepared for how positively people were going to uh, react to my weight loss, Um, I get invited to a lot more meetings. (laughs) <laughs> um which is or, or 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 I yes I get invited to and then my meetings get accepted more by the way um as as well right so you have to go out and get your meetings and you, not just wait you for got the ones like to come really in.
1: popular you became one of the beautiful people suddenly is that what happened
2: <laughs> I I wouldn't go that far um but but it's important to to recognize that you know your appearance is a big part unfortunately weight is such a a you know, it's still looked at, um, differently, you know, here. And, um, it, it it became, we were talking before about conversations and, and, you know, everyone talks men talk about sports and working out all the time. Well, guess what? Now I can talk about working out too. Right. And I can get, I can be part of those conversations and it just really, really changed, um, The dynamic Um, it it doesn't hurt that we took a lot of uh, health related and wellness companies public, and now I can relate to those as well, because I try all those products too. Um, But uh, it also affected me personally, and I think you know some friendships got stronger and some sort of you know went by the wayside. Uh, Very interesting uh, uh, psychology study that uh, I'll look into someday. Um, But overall, it's been an incredible, incredible experience. And the fact that you can do this at any age is just so incredibly important. And um, I just want to help uh, more pe- A lot of people have asked me for advice, or just sort of be like, "Can you just be my cheerleader on the side and hold me accountable?" I'm like, "Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Um, and and you may not like when I call you out on, somebody, <laughs> but you've just asked me to call you out. And so, you know, I'm also a firm believer in please, you know, enjoy that that uh, that pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving because yeah. um, you don't deserve deprive the- yourself exactly. Yeah, and then yeah, you just need to work out a little bit more later. So. Yeah. Um it's been it's been a really interesting interesting journey and I'm I'm glad I made it.
1: And I I think that on a personal level um some developments occurred as well if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's just a little <laughs> development. So um I am getting married. So uh Yay. I found finally the 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 you know the right person without settling. Right? Yeah. You need to be confident and secure in yourself and you just need to keep looking until you find that right person. And it took me a few years, longer than maybe I had expected. <laughs> but uh it's been really, really good. So again, you know, it's this it could happen um, you know, at any age. You just have to keep trying. You have to believe in yourself and in and, and um you know both professionally, personally, with all of your relationships and kind of just put yourself out there.
1: Yeah, I, I'm so, so happy for you, Carolyn. I mean, you really are a model for um, the women that are watching that, you know, you can have the job that you want. It doesn't matter that there aren't that many women there. It doesn't matter that there's a glass ceiling. You just believe in yourself and you go after it and you can make it happen. And in your case, you've kind of got it all now. So I'm very happy for you and honored to have
2: had you on our show today. Well, thank you, Holly. It's an honor. Uh, to be on here as well. I love what you're doing for your clients, for women um, overall. I loved your books. So (laughs) uh, everyone go out and uh, take a look, see, but um, it's, it's wonderful to be here. So thank you so much for including me. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Carolyn. Take care
0: now. You as well. Holly Medasser CPA is a partner and senior wealth management advisor at Stern's financial group, an investment management firm with offices in Chapel Hill and Greensboro, North Carolina. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Hightower Advisors, LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Refer to brokercheck.finra.org for more information. This podcast is copyrighted and all rights are reserved. The content of this podcast is for information only and not intended to serve as financial, legal, medical, or any other form of professional advice.